Uh, Jesus didn't have a problem with people that's in the streets. He had a problem with religious people. How can I help anybody when I'm not even when I was not even able to help my own son? I would never do that. I would never do that. And I became that in a matter of minutes when they took my pain pills away. And I said, I'm not where I want to be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. Ugh. This is Faith in Your Recovery. I am Randy Davis. Welcome to the battle. Hello out there and welcome to Faith in Your Recovery. I'm Randy Davis, your host. Uh, we look forward to what we have to share today. I've just connected with uh, Stephanie Martino out of the Dallas, Texas area. The weather there's a little nicer than what we're having here in East Central Indiana, but they've got some chill coming, so I guess the country's going to get covered regardless. We're here to share with you about all things recovery. I know that uh, Stephanie has a background in in multiple things. Uh, she's a speaker, an inspirational speaker, a singer, an author. Uh, she's had her own experiences. She'll share some of that in the hopes of you ladies being able to connect and find a way to to, to allow Christ to bring help and healing. I'm not going to get into that too much. She's the expert in this, and she's the one with the background. So as a prayer warrior, she just wants to illuminate those dark places, help you see them, and to help you move from them. So introduce yourself to us, Stephanie. Tell the folks what you want them to know here in the beginning, and then we'll go back and break down your story. I'm Stephanie Jane. Um, as, as Randy has said, um, I'm an author, speaker, and prayer warrior for Jesus Christ. I'm an advocate for sexual assault survivors. So I go into all forms of media and bring awareness to sexual abuse. But the reason I do it is because I am a survivor of child sexual abuse, mental abuse, physical abuse, all the abuse I've endured it. And um, coming from my background, I know the importance of finding my recovery and my healing in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. Um, I believe that we can go through very traumatic experiences in this life. And when we turn it over to God and we seek him in the midst of it all, then he gives us what we need to heal and to find that recovery from those dark places. So. Um, sharing Hope and Healing is the name of my ministry, and I believe that what Jesus Christ has done for me, he wants to do it for everybody. All it takes is an open heart to turn to God and say, I trust you, I believe your word, and I'm in this. So it, it, it's not a secret formula. What God has done for me, he wants to do for everybody. And so I just get to be the mouthpiece and to go into media, and God has given me some neat platforms to um, come upon and just share what God has done in my life. So I thank you, Randy. I thank um, Faith in Recovery for allowing me to come and share my hope and healing tonight. Well, I like the idea of breaking it down into those three words, hope mm -hmm. and healing. Yeah. Uh, we could add two more through mm -hmm. Christ, but we got that in the package of what you shared there. And mm -hmm. that's awesome. Folks, as you know, we've always bragged about being all things recovery. Understand that what we're sharing here, what Stephanie is going to offer to us, is one of those 
situations, behaviors that affect so many who are into addiction. Do you have any kind of addiction background, Stephanie? Have you battled addiction? Of course. Of course I have. Um, in my teen years, I definitely had an escape for all kinds of different drugs. Um, and it's easy to get into that pattern um, because, you know, I didn't want to feel everything that I was going through, even after I was out of those dangerous situations, I seemed to just constantly jump right back into dangerous situations on my own. Um, sure. But, you know, God is so faithful um, with me being able to look to him and find out that, you know, substance abuse, a lot of times, counselors talk about all the time, it's a codependency thing. It's what they use to cope. It's a coping skill for a lot of people. So a lot of people that have trauma also have an issue with drugs and alcohol or sexual abuse or various different types of um, substance abuses. And that's because they're trying to mask the negative feelings within them. And um, I definitely went through my phase where I needed to mask my own feelings um, that I couldn't really comprehend, I couldn't process. Um, but God is so faithful that when we choose to go to him, and to be honest with you, I've been at a drug house, literally, high as all get out. And I remember sitting on the floor with this very Bible right here in front of me and open and just reading the word of God and saying, you know, I don't know how you're going to make me better, but I believe somehow you're going to make me better. And all I ever did was believe the word of God. And he has a way of transforming our minds, transforming our thought process and transforming our own self-worth so we can get up and we can say, I shouldn't be in this situation. And I can't tell you how many situations I've been in where I look around and go, what am I doing here? Why, why am I in this place? You know, I'm very musical and there's a lot of drugs in the music business. And one of the reasons I left the music business was because I didn't want to be negatively affected by the drugs and the alcohol in the business. My dad died of a drug overdose when I was only uh, 29 years old. So I knew my whole life the damaging effects of drug and alcohol. And I'll say that God is just so faithful to us that when we put our trust in him, he's going to come through and he's going to show us a way to live outside of those addictions. But it's not, you know, it's, it's not hard to walk away from things when we have total faith. And I will say, I don't have any residual effects of any of the things that I went through. And I'm not saying there's some people that, what is the percentage? Maybe, you know, I think it's only like 15% of people that leave um, hard drugs are actually able to stay sober for a long, a lifetime. Um, it's do you know right that statistic? That. Yeah. Not it's, exactly, it's, but that's awfully close with everything I've read. Yes. It's a, it's a sad, yes. it's a sad number, but you know, I, I mean, I grew up in that whole environment of AA and NA literally. And, um, cause my dad had to go to meetings. <laughs> so I literally grew up in these meetings and talking to so many people, there's a big difference 
between the people that have complete and total faith that God will heal them versus the, I don't know if I can do this mentality. And that's the beauty of God is what, what mentality, what mindset are we going to choose to have? Are we going to have the mindset that what God says in his word is the truth? And are we going to have the mindset to believe that and to put all our trust and hope in that? Or are we going to do the opposite and try to do it ourselves? And it's not just recovery. It's so many places in our lives. Are we going to trust God with this big decision? Are we going to trust God with where we're going to live and where we're going to go to church and where we're going to go to work? Are we going to trust God with who our friends are? Are we going to trust God with what we watch on television? Because there's so much that people allow to go into their brains and they don't think anything about it. Substance abuse is the same way. What are we allowing into our bodies to make us not glorify God? Because anything that we choose to do that doesn't glorify God is a sin. And that looks different for everybody, too. I mean, we got our basic Ten Commandments. Those are for everybody. Yes. <laughs> but some people shouldn't watch certain things on television. And other people are, you know, God doesn't give them a hard time about watching that particular thing at that moment. So you know, you've got to have that personal relationship with the Lord so you can lean in and learn where you need to trust him. (laughs) I believe it's James 4, 17 that says something like to him that knows to do good and does it not to him, it is a sin. I can't say it was a sin for you not to go into ministry. It would have been a sin for me. I was called to it. I knew it. You know, otherwise, mm-hmm. I'm sinning if I avoid what he's asking of me. Let's right. go back a little bit. You, mm-hmm. I think you called it during that dangerous time mm-hmm. uh, where things were happening to you that nobody should have to endure. Mm-hmm. However you want to label that. Mm-hmm. What, what pulled you through those moments? Because it sounds like you were at a very young age when so mm-hmm. much of that was going on. What was your shining light? I'm sure you didn't have the relationship with Jesus then that you have now. And uh, was this a Christian environment? Or help us out, please. Okay, well, I did grow up in a Christian home. Everybody was Christian. Um, So that was kind of um, a double-edged sword for me, though. You know, we knew how to pray. We all sat down at dinner time and we all prayed. Um, But everybody was abusive. so. For me, it was really is is God Almighty, just like my dad, is the father of the universe, just like my stepfather. Is God going to punish me in a way that's not loving? Is God going to look away from me and not want to like, you know, my dad didn't like to pay child support. So how does that go in my brain as a little kid? Does that mean that God's going to reject me? For some reason, I'm not, I don't have the value for something costly. Um, So there were certain things that I had questioned as a child, but I had very, you do, but I had very faithful, um, you have, you have very, um, I had very faithful grandparents and um, well, grandmothers really. And they taught me how to pray. And they took me to church, and I love going to church. I can't, 
I can't remember a time in my life where I didn't go to church. People who don't go to church, I don't understand that. Like, why wouldn't you want to go? Um, and so as a little girl, I would walk to church. I went to a Catholic church. I went to a Protestant church. I went to a Pentecostal church. I went to the Baptist church. I went to the non-denominational. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. So for me, which was a great learning experience going to so many places, but I did, even from a very young age, I chose to be in the environment where Jesus was. And because I chose to go through that, you know, I believe that just like David said in the Psalms that um, even as a child, he followed the Lord. And I believe that even as a child, I followed the Lord. I knew that God was seeking me. And yes, I still fought depression. Yes, I still had the, the drug issue that I needed to deal with. Yes, I was suicidal. But also, I also knew that there was power every single time I opened up the Bible. I was 12 years old when I read the Bible from Genesis to Revelations, and I knew I needed to be saved by the love of God. I knew that. And um, I went to church and talked to my, you know, my, uh, the teacher for, and I, I threw the book, I threw my Bible up there and I'm like, I read the whole thing. It tells me I need to be saved, but where, where is it? It doesn't tell me how to do it. I was so frustrated. And so she opened it to John three sixteen, of course. <laughs> and at that moment, I prayed to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And so although I walked through some very challenging things and I wasn't listening to him as well as I could have, um, he still was rescuing me. He was still seeking me and he was still guiding me. Um, I should have been dead 10 times over, but God had better plans for me. And so he kept me going in a direction forward. <laughs> Um, and so I really honestly believe that all my life, the Lord has sought me and all my life, I have wanted that purity and love, that relationship with the Lord. I didn't get that at home. And so maybe what God's offering me is better than what I get at home. But of course, I'm going to question it in my flesh. And God has proven to me time and time again He's so much better than anything we can imagine. He understands everything we've gone through. So we can sit down and be honest with him. You know, people don't and like to be honest with themselves. That's Turn around with the Lord. Point out. That's <laughs> not a comfortable place for us. We don't like to be honest about us. And we don't honestly want to know what God wants to say to us and even expect of us or mm -hmm. change in us. I think of the, uh, the common 23rd Psalm, though I walk mm -hmm. through the valley of shadow of death, this life is the valley of the shadow of death without him. Yeah. And uh, we're going to walk through it regardless of what side we come out on. And there's nothing to keep us from that. But he can lead us to the bright side, lead yeah. us to the mountaintop experience and that relationship with him. So uh, 
I get the impression as I think back to what you said there, Graham, your grandmother was that shining light that kind mm -hmm. of led you through the darkness simply by taking you to church and mm -hmm. the influence that you received from uh, Christ in her. Yes, yes, she was wonderful. Yeah. She was just simple. It's nice. We all need simple in our lives, too. She'd take me outside and we'd see the birds. And I remember the, one of the last times I saw her, she was actually feeding the local squirrels in her hand. And I'm like, okay, come on. <laughs> Nobody gets to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, right. you know, it's important to have, it's important to remember simplicity in this life. Everything gets so complicated sometimes. So we do need to just take a step back and look at God's creation and enjoy it. What were the relationships like with your peers during those times of struggle and coming out of that struggle? Maybe your high school, junior high, high school years. What did life look like for you during all of that? Or how did people, what did they think when they'd hear your name mentioned? Okay, well, it depended. I'd never spent two years in the same school. I was always changing. So it literally depended on where I was. So I was received differently in all the different schools. Um, I'm very artistic, always have been. Um, so when I was in Kansas City, I was at an art academy. And that was that felt like my niche for me personally. Dance was my major. Guitar was my minor. I loved it there. Um, and so in that place, I was very well received and I loved that, that school year, but there were other places where not so much. I was, you know, um, I was, I was raped in junior high school by Mr. Popularity. And I don't know exactly what he went to school and said, but somehow that ended up with me getting jumped and, um, that whole year was a, a total nightmare after that incident had happened. And um, so that whole year, I was very depressed. I did not want to go to school. Um, so it, it really depended on where I was and what kind of, I mean, American schools are different no matter what city, even if it's in the same city, one school to another is totally different. So um, it's very interesting to me. Like where I am today in my late 40s, being in ministry in Dallas, I know so many people and I just, I love people and I'm a people person. I can talk all day long. You know, of course, God made me a communication person. I've always wanted, I've always wanted to talk to people. It's just easy for me to do. Um, and so anytime I was in a school where I wasn't received well, it really was burdensome on me. I just, I felt that heavy, heaviness of it. Um, and I just, I didn't function. I didn't function well in schools like that. So um, it really depended upon the year. <laughs> Nothing about Stephanie's yeah. life was just simple. <laughs> Changed constantly. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> so uh, what was it that drew you when when did the tide change for you uh to where you started feeling like i can accomplish 
I can be. Jesus has shown me this. Jesus has said that. However, it might have played out for you. When did that light come on? It was honestly a progressive step through different things that had happened. Like um, I used to be on the the party circle with all the um, bands that came through Kansas City. And I remember a particular incident where I was pretty high and I was walking from one room to another and I won't say the band's name, but it was a very, very famous band. And everybody's just wasted in this room. And I remember the Lord just gave me different eyes in that moment. And so I walked in that room and I'm looking around. I'm like, what am I doing here? Why am I in this place? Why am I choosing to be here? This is a terrible place to be. And it was like the light bulb just went on. It was something I'd done many times. And finally, the light bulb went on. There was another time where... um I did, I committed suicide and the Lord came into my life and spoke Jeremiah 29, 11. I believed in my mind that, you know, suicide was the ultimate. If you committed suicide, you just might not end up in heaven. That's what I thought. And so, um, that, that night that the Lord had met me, he told me, you can come, you can stay here in heaven forever, or, um, you can go back, you can go back, but I want you to know. For I have good plans for you. I have plans to prosper you and to, That's you know, to not to harm you. And I'm like, wait a minute. The God almighty of the universe is giving me a choice. And nobody had ever given me a choice before. I did what everybody wanted me to do because I didn't want to get in trouble. I didn't want to make anybody mad. So I just do whatever you need. Don't rock the boat. Mm-mm. I, I was in a place where, no, I mean, I dealt with dangerous people in that time of my life. So, Mm-mm. you don't make them mad. <laughs> you just don't. And um, so the fact that the Lord gave me a choice in that moment was just, it just hit my heart so, so much. And I knew that if God lovingly would let me stay in heaven with him from that moment forward, or tell me there's something, something good planned on earth, then I knew that I needed, I needed to go back and, and see what that looks like. So um, that was a huge wake up moment for me. Um, the the How Bible that I- How old were you at that time? I How was- How old were you? I just turned 18 years old. Okay. Okay, yep. thank you. I just turned 18 years old, and my boyfriend's mother had handed me that Bible I showed you a moment ago, this one that's sitting right here. Yes. And I have 20 Bibles, but that is my lifeline. That's what I call it. It's my lifeline. Um, I've taken that Bible into so many different environments. And um, that in that moment when the Lord spared me, that's when I didn't, I no longer was just going to read the Bible because I love to read and I'd read the Bible by that point, probably four times already cover to cover. Um, but now I was like, I need to figure out how to do exactly what it says to do. Apply. You know, yeah, that's a whole different ball game. <laughs> Absolutely. It's one thing to read it, another to heed it. Exactly. Yes, yes. And that's, 
you know, and, and that's such a big thing with leaning in on the Holy Spirit, because when we sit down and we read the word, you know, I had to learn on my own that there's so much importance to asking the Holy Spirit to guide us in that moment. I can now sit down. I read my Bible every single morning and I don't skip a morning. And I mean, there's no reason for that. There are some days, you know, people are all about, oh, I read the Bible in a year. Well, good for you. I'm glad you did that. But I'd rather sit down and have a heart-to-heart conversation with Jesus Christ. And some mornings I'm only going to get three sentences in. Like, you know, that's it. (laughs) We had a conversation and my mind went somewhere else. I had to train my brain to literally let it wander while I'm reading the Bible because, you know, my militant background says you, you read the Bible, you get the reading comprehension out of it, and okay, now let's take that and let's apply that. Well, the older I've gotten, the more I've found the enjoyment of literally just sitting down in the word and thinking through things with the Lord and applying those verses to what I'm going through in that moment. And that just takes Bible study a whole lot deeper with the Lord than I read it in a year. (laughs) I can recall in some of my education as a pastor, a professor one time, uh, Dr. Bills, who was, (laughs) and he was the kind who Whenever you made a statement to him uh, with any kind of authority, he would always go, and, (laughs) and, wanting you to dig deeper on it, not just repeat what you heard, but what's it truly saying? (laughs) What does it truly mean? How does it affect us? How do we live it out? and what is the opposite of that? Because that's where mm. most of us were, it seemed like. But anyway, I get what you're saying there. And I have one of those Bibles like yours. It doesn't look like yours, but I've got that gold standard <laughs> that when the chips are down, it's the one I go for, okay? Yeah. And yep. uh, yeah, that'll be willed to one of my children one of these mm-hmm. days. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. There you are at 18 and you're, Mm -hmm. you know, you're getting this kind of structure and Christ into your life. Mm -hmm. How did you know, how did you come to recognize I'm changing? There's a difference in me and it's the right difference. I have moved away from those people, those Mm -hmm. places, those Mm -hmm. things, those Mm -hmm. behaviors that were holding me back. And this, I like this. Yes. How'd that well, come about for you? Well, at the age of 21, I gave birth to my daughter. And um, during my pregnancy with my daughter, um, I had told her in my womb that I would give her everything I never had. And I didn't mean monetary. Um, just I wanted to give her a safe home. I wanted to give her unconditional love. I wanted to give her a place where she could make a mistake and learn from those mistakes and talk to her about those things. And I didn't want to be her best friend, but I wanted to be the mother she needed. Um, And so when she was born, again, I just took the Bible at at the next deeper level and said, okay, Lord, you say that you're all my comfort. Okay. 
So I'm still having some issues with depression here, Lord. So what does that look like? Um, I really think, especially as a writer, it might be easier for me to um, be a little more self-critical and ask myself hard questions. But that's a gift that God has given me for you know, many, many years. I'll write and I just free write all the time. And questions will start coming out. And I have to go, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, hmm. You know, if, you know, fear not for your redeemed is the name of my book. It took me seven years to write that book. There's a lot of theology behind fear. <laughs> and, um, it's a healing journey for anybody who wants to heal in, in Jesus Christ. And I laced my questions that he had asked me over the years all through that book. Every single day in that book when you're doing the Devo, you have a question um, that I want you to go and, and journal with the Lord on because he's going to reveal so much when we honestly ask and, um, you know, if you really, truly have faith, then you're going to believe that God is fighting for you. And if you really, truly have faith, then you are going to submit all your troubles to the Lord. And if you're not submitting your troubles to the Lord and you're holding on to those, you're being prideful, you know. And when we look at what we're doing in our lives, when we allow that pride to stay Day in our lives, then that's when fear can come in the back door. And that's when we can go in a different direction than the Lord wants us. So, I mean, for me personally, I think questions that we ask ourselves and are honest with ourselves to answer, they're going to make us understand God's character so much more because what God did today, he's going to do tomorrow. So he wants us to dig deep within ourselves and ask these questions of ourselves and seek the answer in him. Because that's one thing I've learned is, okay, sure, I'm asking myself right now, am I being fearful? And I'm going to ask myself, is there something that I'm not submitting to you, Lord? Well, I can ask myself that and easily say, well, nah, I'm, I'm good. But when I turn and ask the Lord, hey, Lord, can you can you help me see what I'm not submitting to you? Can you help me see where my pride is? He's faithful. So it's not necessarily the question we ask. It's the way we ask the question. And are we really going to ask God into those questions? Because when we ask God into those questions, he wants us. He wants us to know the truth. Because he's all about the truth. He doesn't want us to live in the lie. So we have to be able, you know, we have to be able to turn things around. If we truly want recovery, if we truly want to find our healing in Jesus Christ, then we need to not just ask ourselves the questions. We need to seek the answer in God. So what do you think is one of the biggest myths that we sell ourselves that keep us from reaching that recovery God wants us to have, whether it's from depression, alcohol, drugs, uh, horrible happenings, whatever. What do you think is the myth? Is it that 
we can do it, just keep trying. Uh, are we selling ourselves short by not giving ourselves over to God in that way? What do you think? Well, I think part of it is a lot of people are really comfortable, even in their abusive situations. People <laughs> understand what that looks like. Like if a woman is in a domestic abuse relationship, she can't fathom how she'd live without him. You know, when she's in that moment trying to figure out how to leave. Um, but then in hindsight, when she does leave and she looks back, she's like, I don't know how I survived that. Well, God was with you and you got out of your comfortable place so that you could seek the Lord. And I think that complacency and just being comfortable with the way things are can keep us in such fearful, fearful situations because we're more afraid of what it might look like on the other side. The but change. when we truly mm-hmm. But when we trust the Lord com- through the change. Exactly. Yeah. Because praise be to God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion. And he is the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others as we have received from God. That is from second Corinthians number one, three through four. And, you know, God has the best for us. We can't understand what that looks like when we're in our comfort, complacent, that we don't want to get outside of that. You know, recovery is so much of, you know, it's hard to recover. It is. It's not an easy place to be, especially when you make that choice to turn to try to figure out how to do it different. And that's the only thing you really need to do is to hold on to the fact that you're going to figure out how to do it different. You're going to find your recovery, whether it be from substance abuse or from trauma Whatever your recovery looks like, even when you have physical recovery from a surgery, you have to make that choice to break down all the scar tissue because you're never going to be at 100% unless you go through the pain of breaking up that scar tissue and understanding what's really there so that you can get those joints to move and become limber again. Things will become limber, but you have to break stuff up. You got to go through some pain. It's not, you know, healing doesn't happen overnight. Healing is a process. And, you know, Satan doesn't want us to find our healing because when we find our healing, guess what? We have an amazing testimony. And when we have an amazing testimony, not only do the people that we've known forever notice our differences. In addition to that, we want to go out and we want to tell people. I wouldn't be doing what I do today if I weren't so fired up for what God has done that I want to share my hope and healing. And it's, I'm no different. I'm no different than anybody. I'm just an ordinary girl. And all I've chosen to do is believe him and trust him and allow myself to go through it with him. And that's what it takes for any of us for all reasons, okay? Mm-hmm. What is it that you want to leave folks with here as far as a thought, an idea, a challenge, uh, a word of knowledge? Yeah. 
Well, anytime I have the privilege to go on any platform and speak for Jesus Christ, I always want to give my life first, which is found in 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. And I'm a little older than some of the young people, so my version's the old school version. Gotcha. <laughs> the old school NIV. <laughs> that's the old NIV. But yeah, whenever yeah, anyone turns to the Lord, the Lord, excuse me, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. We're being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Love that. This has been my life first since I was 17 years old. We are constantly being renewed in the love of Jesus Christ. We are going from glory to glory because of what he has done in our lives. And it doesn't matter where we are in our walk with the, the Lord. He is going to help us learn how we reflect his glory. And he is so dimensional he has a reflection in each and every person that's specific to the character of God. So I encourage anybody to, who wonders if they're doing it right, accept who God created you to be and love that person that God created you to be because you have a reflection of his glory that only you can shine for this world. <laughs> I, I love your two words, constant renewal. And I believe that with all mm -hmm. my heart. I'm a part of that. I don't want to be the same me tomorrow I am today. Uh, God's got a bigger plan and a better plan than that. So uh, with that, I'm thrilled. And I've always said, I just want to help you reach being the person God created you to be. Uh, not greater than me, to less than me, the same as me, but to be the best you you can possibly be. And that's that's my goal in life. Wow. Why don't you quickly give us a, a website, whatever, for anybody who might be interested in getting your book and uh, fear not, for you are redeemed. Uh, let them know yeah. and uh, we'll get ready to close down here. Yes. So you can uh, find me at stephaniejane.com, and Stephanie is spelled with an F. I believe the name is on the screen there for anybody who wonders how to um, find me. Um, I have a rock and roll CD, See Me Change, which walks people through my path of healing. Um, and then I have my book, Fear Not For You Are Redeemed. It's a 306, there's how you spell my name. It's a 365-day devotional walking you through your healing with Jesus Christ. Amen. There it is, folks. Check it out. And uh, you've got access to it. Stephanie, thank you. Uh, this is blown by. There hasn't been a lot of quiet time here, and I appreciate that. That's an obvious testimony of your energy and your passion for what you're about and who you are. God bless you today and in the future, and thanks for all you've done and all that you're going to do. Thank it's you, been sir. A treat. I appreciate the time. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Folks, thank you for tuning in today, and uh, check out those 
those links there and get a hold of some of that information so it can impact your life. You can become that person God's created you to be. Stephanie's giving you some good guidelines that hopefully brought some healing, help, and hope to your life. Thanks again for tuning in to Faith in Your Recovery. And as always, we remind you to stay in the battle. You never know. Your answer may be at the next prayer or just around the next corner. It's worth the time it takes. God bless. Thank you. Amen.